Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. A real joy and a privilege. And I hope that you're comfortable enough. And uh, George, you're leaving already. Brother, I haven't even started preaching. So I'll tell you what, yeah, I'm watching, I'm watching you, brother. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, Coastal, I want to pray for us. I want to be able to allow God's Word just to change us, challenge us, and just refresh us today. And uh, we're so grateful that we can get to listen to His Word. Father, thank You. Your Word is life, and Your Word is truth, and Your Word, your word is our compass. And it's our, it's our, our encouragement. It's our, it's our source of life. And so, Father, we thank You that we can hear Your Word and we can have Your living Word wrapped into this written Word so we may be transformed into Your image. And, Father, thank You for this season where we can just celebrate this epic event that took place. And so, Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we've been having a theme of God's goodness this year, and, and I want to just uh, look at uh, the God's goodness at, at Christmas. It's just really special, and um, I kind of really tied everything around Emmanuel. That's God with us, and that comes from Matthew uh, chapter 1, verse 23. It says, look. The writer is saying, look. To the readers, Look. The virgin will conceive a child and she will, be, she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That was something that was quoted in, in Isaiah in chapter 7, verse 14, 700 years before. Aren't you amazed at the scriptures and how it, um, the, it, 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 it uh, just comes back and confirms itself? It was announcing a promise. It was a prophecy to us. And the reality of those that place their faith into, into the Lord Jesus Christ, live in this reality that God is with us. We're not alone. He says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. And he's with us. And so, um, and his original intent was that we would uh, commune with him, that we would intentionally have a relationship with him. And he created all this beauty that are, that's around us and placed us in it so that he could have something to bestow his love on. And that's us. He loves us so much that he spins around under a violent emotion of joy. Of joy. The, Bi the Bible calls that worship word ghoul. He ghouls over us because he loves us so much. You cannot understand the capacity of his love. And so it's, we serve a God that's relational. He's not a, a religious God that's distant, that's far away, that we have to jump through a whole lot of hoops. He is just wanting to have fellowship with us. He rent that curtain the, the, the day Christ went to Calvary. He rent it from the top to the bottom because he says, I can't wait to be with my people. That's the love and the, and the heart of, of our God. And so he, he came and the spectacular world that we live in, that we get to live in, get enjoy and get to subdue. Yes, man messed it up, and as I spoke last week, but His holiness, His justice, His, uh, his, his just and His lovingness came and rescued us, came, and I spoke about that, and to allow Emmanuel, God, to be with us. And many don't know this truth. Many are out there doing their shopping today, having an early breakfast, taking a walk on this nice, very frozen, cold Florida day. They're out there having it. But they don't know this truth. 
Some of them have heard the truth, but it's been stolen away from them because they said, can't can God really love us that much? Did He really pay this price? Did He really send His Son? And all the naysayers out there would, would squash their faith and the truth be stolen from them. And then some of them were just disillusioned and said, well, all this tragedy, how can there be a God that so loves us when there's so much tragedy and all that and, and the word gets robbed from them? And then there's all such a thing that would seduce you and lure you away from the truth of Christmas. And so we need to make sure, man, we need to not only be excited about Jesus in this room, but when we walk out there, we need to be this walking billboard just announcing God's goodness. Man, Brian is good at that. Our Paul Hogan in the house, he does that, man. He, is, he, 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 he bestows Jesus everywhere he goes because you can't keep that man quiet. The lovely thing Christmas tells us that God is with us. It's not, it's not just, it just doesn't announce there is a God. No, it, that God is with us. And that is a wonderful thing to understand. And many don't know the truth of this Christmas. And so, and they don't, they, they don't know that they have access to this wonderful Christmas that we celebrate. And they don't know that there is a God that is relational and we have access to them. And so, and some are just oblivious. And no matter how much you kind of preach, Seeing, they just don't see. Hearing, they just don't hear. And they just don't understand. And that's why we need to pray for those people and say, God, give them eyes to see, ears to hear. Like the prophet said, listen, servant, Lord, would you give them eyes to see? And they could see the myriads of angels protecting him. God, would you open those loved ones that don't, can't see, those work colleagues that cannot see you. God, would you open their eyes that they may see? So I want to talk today about don't miss Christmas. Don't miss Christmas. I said to Valerie, DMC. She said, what? That sounds like DNC. That's a, that's a medical term. So I said, no, DMC. Don't miss Christmas. DME. Don't miss the Emmanuel, God with us. In Luke chapter two, it's a lovely scripture that you would, you would want to read around Christmas. It's the documented events that lead up to and surround the birth of Christ. Good that we read it and remind ourselves and amazing what Holy Spirit would, would pop off the page as you read about what happened at Bethlehem the, that day. It's around that, that, that time of, uh, of Christ's birth that the, the Roman IRS required a census and so everybody had to go back to their, uh, their, their, their ancestral town. And like I said last week, the ancestral town that uh, David and uh, John, uh, Joseph and Mary came from was a, a lineage that, that, that had the family lineage and had the, uh, the, the blood lineage that came to Bethlehem, came from David. And it was the only legal access that God could bring man, uh, bring, uh, bring the Son of Man into humanity and legally pay for the price of sin. And so we see here that that takes place in the story in, in Luke chapter 2. It's interesting when I ask people and we've had an inundation of new people and I say, where are you from? The first thing they say, oh, I'm from Iowa. I'm from, uh, I'm from Pennsylvania. I, and what I'm really meaning, are you from Ormond? Are you from Bunnell? Are you from Palm Coast? Are you just snowbirds? And I've got to keep my verbiage. I've got to change it because otherwise I say, well, I'm from, I'm from Asafi, Zimbabwe, Africa. So... <laughs> That's far too long anyway. So, but it's just interesting when I say, and so your birthplace is normally what you refer, refer to when I ask you, where are you from? And, uh, and some people are real patriotic. I'm from Ireland, <laughs> way back when. 
Yeah, hallelujah. But here we have the story. And just for people to understand geographically, and uh, if you can't to come with us next, next year, you'll find out that we head off to Galilee. We stay at Galilee, and then from then Galilee, we go, we go up to Jerusalem. We stay in two places when we go on this tour. But they had to go from Nazareth in Galilee. They had to go all the way up to Bethlehem, Judea. And so everybody thinks, okay, that's a little, little, little stroll, like from here to Benel. No, no, 90 miles. I just want to like it, let you know, 90 miles. And if you do 20 miles a day, it'll take you four or five days. But if you're traveling with a pregnant lady, it's eight months on a donkey. Man, just imagine. I mean, I see eight-month pregnant ladies sitting in a, in a lazy boy and there's discomfort. Just imagine being on a donkey and how many bathroom breaks you got to have to have <laughs> because of that. So I'll tell you what, it, it, you got to get your mind around that kind of, uh, that, 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 that event. But here we have the most significant event that's happening on planet Earth. And guess what? The busyness of Bethlehem is missing the story completely. And today I want to just say that with all the marketing and with all the media and with everything that's going on and the commercial side of, of Christmas, many are missing Christmas. The Christmas I'm talking about. We're so into the traditions and tradition kicks off and the decorations have to come up. It started off just after Thanksgiving, we put up decorations. Now it's just become before Thanksgiving. Now I'm starting to see decorations in my house come out at Halloween. <laughs> Christmas decorations. We just, I tell you, so we might as well just not take the decorations down and be mindful of Christmas the whole year long. Hallelujah. So here we see it and, 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 and still... We have people that are missing Christmas. But I want to say, can I just talk about three, three people that missed Christmas in the first century, right there, under their noses. The first one was the innkeeper. Innkeeper, man, he was hustling. He was making sure every square inch of that inn was packed with people, even got Joseph and Mary into the stable and was getting money for that. I mean, he, all the, all the hustle and bustle of the day. And here we see in Luke chapter two, verse seven, it says, and Mary gave birth to her, her first son, uh, firstborn son. She wrapped him in snugly in strips of cloth, of cloth and laid him in, the, in a manger, a honed out stone feed trough, because there was no lodging available for them. Had that innkeeper known who was about to get born right that moment, he would have given up his own bed. I want to tell you that. I would have. Man, I would have made place, made way for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to get born. I tell you, I would have made space. But he was oblivious. He didn't know that it was Christmas. He did not know. And so I want to say, how are we? There was no place, there was no space for the King of Kings to be born because he was oblivious to what was happening. And there are many out here totally oblivious to why we celebrate what we celebrate. And we need, to be, we need to be the spokesmen. We need to mention it because we're oblivious. It reminds me of Daniel, my son, when we first got here for the first six months, he went and stayed with some friends. People may know um, the friends he had. His name was Steve Bartkowski, famous quarterback for Atlanta. He had made friends with his son. And so he went and hung out there while us were settling in to staying with people and and getting our feet on the ground. And, and he got a job to, uh, at one of the famous gyms downtown Atlanta. 
And so he was, his job was to check people in, make sure everybody signed into the gym and that, and all the, the who's who in the zoo were coming through there. And then these two gentlemen pitched up and they just walked right past and said, Daniel said, no, 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 you, no, you, you got to sign. He says, no, we have an agreement with the manager. He says, I don't care what agreements you have, we're liable. You got to go in there, you sign. He had this backwards and forwards. So he says, listen, I'll write it in you. Just give me your name. So the one guy says, okay, Michael. He says, yeah, Michael, uh, Jordan. <laughs> Charlie, Charles Bar- Barkley. So he writes it down. And, um, and then obviously this radio announcer comes up. He says, do you know who those are? He says, I think I kind of figured out Michael Jordan, but I didn't know the other guy at all. So <laughs> you could be oblivious. So it landed up that that guy went back to the radio show and had this massive talk talk show and brought up the conversation. He says, you know, this African wouldn't sign these guys into the, <laughs> into the gym. And so they had this thing where he says, well, they, if he signed it, he could have sold the signature for, for about $5,000. And then the other guy said, well, yeah, but the gym would be liable if suddenly Michael Jordan twists his ankle and stuff like that. So they had this backwards and forwards. And yeah, right under his nose, he had these people of prominence and Daniel didn't know who they were. It's same thing with this innkeeper, oblivious. Sometimes we just that, like that. And Bethlehem was at capacity. It was that season when, man, let's make a buck. Let's get our money. Make sure the food stalls are up. Let's, let, let's do this thing. And so the, cons- the, consumer, the consumerism at this time is at full flight, including here. We are at full flight with it. And so where, where do we land in this season? Where is our heart? Where is our focus? Where is our emphasis? Where is our value? And in Bethlehem, this two-bit town, was brimful. And so the innkeeper had no time to help out Preggy Mary. There was just no time for that because he had to make extra money and had to make hay while the sun was shining. And so today, the distractions, the traditions, the demands of the season, we miss Emmanuel. We miss Emmanuel. We do. We've got to take stock of our lives and realize we, we, we keep to the symbolism of the season, but we forget the sun of the season. And so we need to take stock of our lives if I can encourage you as a pastor. And so, um, so as, as, as we're looking at this, can I say, don't miss Christmas. The innkeeper did with all the distractions. It's like having all those fancy wrapped up boxes that you decorate in around your house and then some of the stores have them. They're all beautiful on the outside, but they are empty on the inside because they're just decorative. Are we like that? We have this whole decorative life about Christmas, but we're empty because we haven't got Christmas. We haven't got Christmas, and we need to have a look at that as we, as, as we approach Christmas. Um, all looks good, but we are empty. And Christmas can be all dressed up, but be totally empty. And I don't, I don't think it, it, it was designed for that. Why? Because we've focused on Santa and snowmen and gifts, and, fe- and it's lovely. But let's keep Christ in the center of it and add all that to the rest of it. I was chatting to Adam yesterday as we were going to the BBC, the the Boys Book Club. We were discussing a book on Saturday mornings. And I said, what kind of traditions do you have at your your home um, over Christmas? And he said, listen, I come from a a lineage of preachers and stuff. He says, and my grandfather kind of set this whole thing in that we tackle at at a certain time in Christmas. We open Luke chapter two and we, and we read through it and, and we discuss it and we bring, it to, um, uh, bring certain things to the attention and, and it becomes a tradition because they bring Christ into the center and there, uh, there's a thankfulness and a, and a focus. And so we need to have a look and see 
Where can we bring more of Christ back into Christmas in our lives? Let's just take stock of it today as we approach Christmas. Bethlehem had Christmas delivered to them, but they missed the Christ. It was right there. Yeah, the DoorDash arrived with baby Jesus and they missed it all out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the innkeeper had no room. Do we have space in, uh, in our life for Christ? Are we full of stuff? Are we look so involved in the urgent that we, we, we're missing out the important? And so as we, as we look at this, we realize there were more animals visiting Jesus at his birth than <laughs> any human being. So let's not miss Christmas. The other person I want to look at is King Herod. King Herod missed Christmas. And it reads here, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it says that Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. But that time, some, at that time, some wise men from the, the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of, of, of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this. And as was everyone in Jerusalem. I just want to kind of remind you of that. So, so here are these wise men, these royal astrologers. They were royalty that had come from where Alex was born. And they came all the way because, and they had this information. And the astrologers that came and, and caused such a commotion. And, the, and King Herod says, say What? Another king is here? And may I want to just say that many of us have that same heart as King Herod. We don't like two kings. We want to be king. We do not want the other king. And our heart, is, it, it has a place, it has a throne. Who's on the throne of your heart is what I want to ask. Because King Herod didn't want, didn't want a second king because we are selfish. We only want one king. We want to be the captain of our ship. We want to be the master of our fate. We want a constitutional king. You know what I mean by that? Constitutional monarch is just a position in title and, and, and stuff, but really is not a ruling king in our lives. Because that's, that's, I mean, oh, King Herod didn't want that. He didn't want that at all. Because the, the preferred unholy trinity, me, myself, and I, is the preferred person to have on the throne of our hearts. And we've got to make sure that is that, is that what we have. Um, and and we, miss, we miss Christmas because we want to remain as king in our lives. I was reminded that, that when we were in Rhodesia, which is now Zimbabwe, and Rhodesia was a first world country then, and the Rhodesian dollar was stronger than the US dollar. So it was very successful, and, and, I had, and Val and I had the privilege of growing up there. And so we have um, these, these farmers, which doesn't take much to be a farmer there, because literally you can set the clock by the time it's going to rain in the afternoon. It's 82 degrees most of the year around, so everything grows. So it doesn't take much. And so these farmers made money hand over fist. And so they became kings in their own area, in their own field. Their farm was their kingdom. And when you came and told them about they, they need Jesus, they said, I don't need anything. I am sorted. I am rich. And we used to joke with them, only two Mercedes Benz this year. You're only buying two Mercedes because every year they trade them in and, and buy. That's how wealthy and affluent it was there. And so they didn't need they didn't need a king, another king. They were king. And it was just a reminder as I was looking at that. And Luke 6, 46 says, so why do you call me Lord, Lord? And when you don't do what I say. Ow, man, that was, 
Man, that, that as a reminder came to me, and I thought, well, I'm going to share that with you. Hallelujah. <laughs> so King Herod was troubled. He was agitated, irritated, frustrated, exasperated. He was because he didn't want, it to, he didn't want his kingship challenged. And many of us don't want our kingship challenged. It's me, myself, and I. And one way we miss Christmas and we miss Jesus is when we, 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 we want to be our own king and rule our own lives. You miss Christmas, church. You miss Christmas when you do that. When we are troubled by the fact that Jesus must be king, we miss Christmas. We were in Jeffrey's Bay and there was a businessman there, a well-known businessman, and he was very strong, very proud, and he said, I don't bow my knee to anything or anyone. Somehow we had a, camp meet, uh, a tent meeting there, and he came along. And the moment the presence of God struck when the worship came, his legs would co- collapse, and eventually he was sitting down because his knees could not hold him. I want to tell you, this scripture here, it says here in Philippians 2, 9, Therefore God elevated Jesus to the place of, uh, of the highest honor and gave him the name above all names, that the name of Jesus every knee <laughs> shall bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Woo! And every tongue will declare that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. I want to tell you, your knee will bow, but I want to choose to bow my knee. Because that's true worship. When you choose to bow your knee, that's what happens. And that's when kingship is in its rightful place. Yeah, King Henry didn't want the competition. King Harold, King Henry. We got a friend called King Henry, so. Hallelujah. So if we're not ready to relinquish the throne in our heart, then I'll tell you we're missing Christmas. When we are wanting Jesus, uh, we don't want Jesus to interfere in our life, our routine, our money, our career, our plans, our ambitions. Then I want to tell you, you're missing Christmas. You're missing Christmas. The truth is Christianity is coming under the kingship of Christ, the rule and reign of God. Getting quiet in this Methodist church. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 10. Many times you're approached with this when salvation is, uh, is, is offered to you through Jesus Christ. And Romans 10 verse 9 says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it's by the openly declaring your faith that you are saved. When you openly declare Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King, as you openly bow your knee and allow Him to be King, then you have Christmas. When we allow Him to be the King of Kings, we don't miss Christmas. That is why believers have conflict in in their walk of faith is because they have this issue with kingship. Settle it today. Allow him to be king because he, when he takes the wheel, it's a whole lot better. Ronald Bonker shares a story and I've shared it with you before. When he relates having this home and you invite Jesus into your home, into your life, and you have prepared the attic, you've beautified it, you've given, put the latest decor in there and you, you say, Jesus, this is all I've, I've sorted out and settled it for you. And while you're living there with Jesus in the attic, you're getting robbed. Your pipes are bursting. You're having financial problems. You say, Jesus, I'm supposed to have you on board and everything's supposed to be going good. What happens? He says, yeah, that's wonderful. He says, but you've only given me the attic. 
you gotta give, give Jesus the whole house. This is the whole house. Give him the whole house. All your plans, all your dreams, all your visions, and watch him unfold it to you. If Christ and his word is not allowed to be overruled in your life, you're missing Christmas. If Christ can't be silenced or, or he tell you no, then Christmas is not, then Christ is not in your Christmas. If Christ is not in charge, then Christ is, is not in your Christmas. It's just a holiday. Remind ourselves. If he's not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. He's not in a popularity contest, guys. He's paid the price. And when we give our lives to him, we give it rock, stock, and barrel is a saying that we have in Africa. Rock, you, it's, all, it's, all, it's all his. And when you do that, watch out. I was reminded at the, the Night's Tale movie, it says, you've been weighed, you've been measured, and we've been found wanting. It's when we don't have kingship, we've been found wanting. Luke 2, 14, it says, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. And we can declare that until the cows come home, but you forget the last part of that, with whom God is pleased. And I wanna tell you, those that have given their life to Christ, that have surrendered their hearts to Jesus, that allowed Him to be king, He is pleased and peace comes to you. But if you don't, you allow the door to open. I've had the illustrations where I, we're talking about how, you know, God's like the air conditioning, providing the cool and the cool and the cool, and then we open the doors. When we open the doors and I don't allow kingship of the Lord in our lives, it's like opening the doors and wondering why the air conditioning is not working. It's because we've left the doors open. Hallelujah. The Prince of Peace is to bring peace in your home, your circumstances, your heart and your mind. But he's got to have kingship. And I close with the last person that missed Christ at Christmas, missed Christmas completely, and it's the religious. I call it the church of the day. You understand the church of the day can miss Jesus, can miss Christmas, and I don't want to be that church because in Matthew 2, 4, I got it right, eh? had a bit of dyslexia. I had it up there 4, 2 for a while, and then I had to change it around. Hallelujah. King Herod called a meeting of all the leaders in, in Flagler County and the teachers of the religion, uh, religious laws and asked them, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem of Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. There you see here, King Herod, deeply disturbed as we saw, inquires of the church of the day. Interesting that the, King Herod called Jesus the Messiah. That meant he had some knowledge of, of, of the Scriptures. He had some knowledge that this Messiah, which is interpreted the Anointed One, he says, where was the Anointed One supposed to be born? He had a knowledge of it. So you can't just give him a pass and say, well, he didn't know that Jesus was coming. If he knows that his name's Messiah, then he missed the boat. He knew that the Messiah was coming. And here we have, and the religious answer says, Bethlehem because they quoted a scripture from Micah 5.2. Amazing, again, 700 years before this prophecy is put there that, 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 that a shepherd is gonna, that's gonna save his people was gonna be born in Bethlehem. How is that? If you cannot put the trust in this word, every word is written. It, I tell you, you can go to the bank on the word of God, hallelujah. This Bethlehem is a two-bit town. One has a... And here we have this amazing fulfillment of prophecy. The religious who knew the scripture, who had gone to seminary, I mean seminary, <laughs> gone to Bible school, 
had, did not make that trip down to, to Bethlehem. How far was it? Six miles. Six miles, that's like walking to Woody's, maybe a little further than Woody's, to go and see the Christ, the Christ of Christmas. The unlearned shepherd heard it from the angels and they went. The non-Jewish wise men took out and took two years to get there. Because you've got to understand that when, when, when they came to town, there they found Jesus at a home and he was a toddler and a toddler is known as two years old. So it took them two years. It was worth them going two years journey where the religious couldn't even do a six mile walk. Hey, are we found guilty on that? Because no, I've got my traditions. We can't come to church and worship on Christmas day. Man, we're messing it up. No, sorry, I'm just, I just throw that out. You carry on with your family tradition, just bring Jesus in there, okay? <sighs> Do not miss Christmas. Yes, religion knows the scriptures, but they don't know the author. They miss Christmas. Now, if there is a one-liner that you want to write down, this is the one-liner. If the written word doesn't lead you to the living word, then it's just another word. If the written word doesn't lead you to the living word, then it's just another word. This is why I read this, because it leads me to the living word. And in the living word, I find life. In the living word, I find my purpose. In the living word, I call it the zum zum word, the word that just jumps off the page. I've re read John 3, 16, I don't know how many gazillion times, and it'll still bounce off the page and hit me because the living word will never lose its revelation. Never lose its revelation. If the knowledge of the Bible doesn't lead you to the deeper walk with the author of the Bible, then you've missed Christmas. Then you've missed Christmas. Tim 2 Timothy 3, 3, 5, it's, I know it in the old King James, well, in the new King James, he said, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. But I wanna read this version. And they will act religious but they will reject the power that could make them godly. We need to be those godly people walking and they say, I want what they have because we have life and life more abundantly. That's what we need because knowledge puffs up. You can have a whole library of knowledge, but we need to have a living relationship with the word of God. John 5, 39, Jesus challenges them. He says, you religious dudes, you search the scripture because you think you get, you get, you give, it gives you eternal life. But the scripture points to who? Me, the author of the book. That's what scripture do, does for us. It's like studying a map to get directions to go to a place. I don't do that anymore because we have a device that tells us, Siri tells me. Siri's very rude to me. I've got to teach it not to be that rude because when I say, hey, Siri, it goes, mm-hmm. That is rude. In my language, my culture, that's rude. So my son has taught Siri to say, yes, King Daniel. So that's what he's done. Hallelujah. But you can study the whole map to get to your destination and never go on the journey, church, and never go on the journey. So I'm telling you that we can look at Christmas, study Christmas, um, sing about Christmas, but never go to Christmas. And we need to make sure that that's not part of us. One can quote the scriptures, memorize the scriptures, or have all the facts about scriptures, but miss the author of scripture. Then we've missed Christmas. We can graduate with information, but never graduate in intimacy. 
We need to have intimacy because that's what it's all about. He so loved us that he wanted a relationship with us. Religious believes that it's okay. So, so I'll put this question here. Why didn't the religious go down to, to Bethlehem? It wasn't a plane ride. It was just a walk. Why didn't they go down? Because the religious don't believe that they need Jesus. I've done it. I memorize the scriptures. I'm goody two-shoes. I, help, I have self-sister wiggle hips next door with, the, with their problems. I, I'm, I'm doing okay. I've got a little, little, little works. I've got a little works and I'm doing okay. I check the box. I'm not a bad guy. I'm not the bad guy like the other guy. Oh my gosh. It's so easy to compare yourself with others, but put yourself in comparison to this word. You've been weighed and you've been measured and you've been found wanting. Hallelujah. So you've got to understand, if you think that your religious works has got you covered for eternity, I want to just say, you need Jesus. You need Christmas. You need Christmas for salvation. You need Christmas for the, for the relationship that, that you have. I have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, not because of my righteousness, because I accepted Christ and His, and His penalty that He paid for, my sins, and that makes me righteous. That allows me to invite Christ into my home, my total home, to have the kingship, and in that way, I have life. That way, I know I have relationship. That way, I know my sin is paid for. That way, I know that I can walk up to Dad and say, Dad, can I chat? And he has an ear for me because I have been made righteous through Christmas. I've been made righteous through Christmas. Nothing of my, my doing. Will we alter our traditions to bring honor, focus, and worship due to the King of Kings? So where are we this Christmas? Are we missing the party completely? Are we missing the celebration? Are we having the birthday party and forgetting the person that's supposed to be having the, for the birthday? When we have a birthday party and the person that's having the birthday is not there, then we're missing the boat. If we don't have Christ at the party, then we're missing it. So if, we just, if it's just a holiday, enjoy the party, guys, because I want to tell you, you miss Christmas if it's just a party. But if, but if Christmas is with Jesus and you've given him place and you've given him space, you're going to have a happy Christmas. You're going to have a happy Christmas. Society is quite happy to settle with a Christless Christmas. Not us. Christ is going to be the epicenter of this whole thing. Amen. But for us who believe, Jesus is worth all our worship and worth everything to have him in the epicenter of our lives and our worship in this season. Amen. Worship team, could you come and join me? Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo! Church. Hallelujah.